Good evening, everyone. We are about to begin learning Shemona Esrei. But before going into the details and the structure of Shemona Esrei, it will be worthwhile to discuss some of the halachos about one, what one is needed to have in mind and prepare in order to approach Shemona Esrei properly. The Rambam has two lists of things that are required for one to do before Shemona Esrei. One list is a list of things that one must do that are ma'akiv and tefillah, and one list is things that are not essential but very important and necessary for one to have a proper experience of Shmona Esrei, of being omen lifnei ha'malach. Rabbi Menhechos Tefillah, Parakdal Alf mentions that the things that are ma'akiv tefillah include the following, tahara se'yadayim, cleanliness of the hands, kisu erva covering erva, taras makom, cleanliness of the place where one's davening, if he has to go to the bathroom, he should relieve himself beforehand. And also intent of the heart. These are five things that are ma'akev tefillah, and they can't. You, one cannot fulfill tefillah properly. It's impossible if he's in this. If he's lacking in any of these five aspects. So glaringly, the Rambam says that kavanas alev is ma'akev, suggesting that it's not just words that are necessary to be said in tefillah. One has to understand what's being said. That process of tefillah, the avodah shvalev, requires kavana for proper understanding of what is what is being um, performed during that time. So the Rambam there in Parak Dalad elaborates what exactly is the kavana that one has and that is necessary to be mekayim the mitzvah of of, of tefillah. And he says in halach tazayin, Kate said he had kavana. What is the kavana? And he says she found libo mikol machshavos. He should clear his mind from all thoughts. The gira atzmo kiilu who omi lefnei and he should envision himself as if he's standing in front of the Shekhinah. Because one has to have this type of kavana, a person should, Rambam suggests, one should sit, or requires, one to sit before davening and contemplate what about, about that, that kavana to get him to that, that mindset. And then he should daven b'nachas v'sachanunim. Seemingly for the Rambam, part of the kavana is not just the intent of Omid Fnei but the process of how one should daven, b'nachas, Calmness and with supplication. Furthermore, it shouldn't be a masoi. These are all expressions of the kavana that one has of omid fnei And the Rambam then says, to make sure that it's not viewed as a masoi, he should sit a little bit before after davening, appreciate the moment, and then leave. And that's what the Hasidim would do. They would um, wait before it and then leave afterwards. Um, after the davening, after sitting for a moment. So for the Rambam, it seems that the kavana that one has is manifested both in the preemption of preparing oneself for davening and also at the conclusion of davening, when one is reflecting on that experience, the way to show that it's not a mas when he really is only with recognition of Hashem being the one who is going to be gracious to give him whatever he needs. That requires one to pause after the davening to show that it's not a masa, it's not a burden that you just throw off after you're done. It's something that you appreciate and you want to approach properly. The tour follows an idea of the Rambam, but he adds that the kavana that one has, or ideally should have, is in his language, he should remove himself from physicality, focus on intellectual, spiritual ideas, 
and his language is the ideal level should be they should be reaching close to a level of Navua. And while it's not exactly clear what this is referring to, this experience is, but it seems to be that there's this deep connection to Akash Baruch Hu, that a person's taking himself outside of his context of his physical world and focusing on Akash Baruch Hu and having that connection to him. Uh, the Ramah has a different quotation of what one should be focusing on. He should be focusing on, in his language in the Dark Emotion, Simon Sadiches, Sif, Sif Katan Beis, about Romus Akel, the loftiness of Hashem, Vishiflos Adam, Nagdo, and the lowliness of men that is right corresponding to Hakash Baruchu as being Omi Lifnei Amalach. And then he's bevatah for himself the pleasures of this world, and then his tefillah will be Ritsuya. The Gra comments that this Tarasa Adam, this process of purification of man, requires Siat the Shmaya, and that's something that uh, one has to ask Hashem for as well. The tour ends that aside from these different Kavanas, the reason why we have to emphasize Kavanas is because tefillah b'makom karban. In the same way that machshava poselos bekachim, the same is true that by tefillah, an incorrect thought would be ruining the process of tefillah. And therefore, one should not have other machshavos occurring in his time when he's talking to the the same way that uh, one is serving a carbon has to have pure, pure thought. In terms of what one must be thinking about during the process of tefillah, the Mishburah Simon Sadiches of Gatan Aleph quotes the Pnei Yeshua, who says that the different covenants that we've been discussing, it's impossible for a person to think about them during the, the tefillah in a very conscious way. So one should have the conscious awareness of these different covenants before davening. And during the tefillah process itself, one should be having kavanah lepeir shamilim to understand what one's saying. And this is based off the comment of the Torah. The Torah writes you have to have as well as and the Mishnah writes for, for most people they should just have under, understanding of what is being said unless he has a, a deeper awareness and has the ability to have uh, training and thought about the deeper sodas of, of what he's saying one should really just focus on the Pashas at the bottom in terms of the way one should be reciting the Tfilos <clears throat> themselves as we mentioned before, it should be said, the Torah writes in Simon Saniches, the mashal that one, he's giving is as if one's a rush, a poor person, who's asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for things, and he's also doing a benachas. And the Mishnah there in Sivkat and Ches explains the nachas is the same idea as, as being Mavakish Pesach Hanunim. One who's asking for things for Rachamim, he, does it in a very, he should be doing it in a very calm way, which is appropriate for the request that's being said. The Mishra adds as well, he wants to have Kavana that he can't be asking these things except from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Aside from the things that are required for one to be doing during davening, the Ravim gives eight different things that one should ideally do during davening, but Anam Akiv B'Diyabed. He writes, one thing that one must do is Amida. The reason why one has to stand is, is actually an interesting dispute. The Maestro Rakecham, the Rabbim says, based off the tour, Ein Shiros El Mu'umad. One must stand when serving in the Avoda. And as Tefillah is Karban, one should also be standing when reciting Tefillah. The Rabbim then says another criteria that's recommended and required is to be Nocha Hamikdash, standing before the Besamikdash. 
again, this seems to be um, reflecting the point of physically being Omid Lifnei and that's manifested by standing in the direction of the Beis HaMikdash. And even if one, Ram writes in Beis the Mishnah, even if one does not know which direction he's standing, he should be at least he should have to be and that's the point. Even if one can't manifest it physically, the t- the point of it is to ha- help facilitate this kavana of having his kav- having his mindset before Kash Baruch Hu. That's lefnei Ashkina. The Rambam then requires recommends tikkun aguf. But the body has to be positioned in, in the appropriate way. He says number one, one has to have his feet together. Zubitzadzu. He has to have his eyes facing downwards, but his his mind The tour in Simon Sadihe gives two different explanations why we have to have one stand one's feet standing together. Either it's because it's as if he's an Amalchi Asharis, an angel, and the angels have their feet together. Alternatively, it's like the Kohanim, and the Kohanim, when they would walk on the Mizbeach, they wouldn't walk um spreading their legs too far apart. And therefore, we try to mimic that by, by putting our feet together when we're diving with Neamalach. The Yosef explains the symbolism of these two, of these, of the act of putting your feet together. He says, either if the explanation is to be like a Malachi Asharis, it means one should remove his thoughts about his body and focus solely on a Kosh Baruch Hu. Alternatively, the idea of putting your feet together is to show that you're stuck, not in a bad sense, in a sense that there's no one else to run to, Except for Akash Baruch Hu. As an aside, the Rashba and his Chush Hagaros explains another reason why we have our feet together. It's because it's like to show that one's bound, to show that it's Hashem's in control of one's entire life. The Rabbah mentions that one should have his eyes facing downwards. This is based off the Gemara Nivamas, which basically says one's eyes should be down, but his heart should be facing upwards. Um, the Rabbah seems to take the eyes, the requirement of having one's eyes down literally. Um, the Talmud Rabbi Yonah understands it a little bit in a metaphorical sense. He says that one's heart should be facing upwards, meaning in Shemaim, disregarded and disconnected from everything in this world, and all Hanas And after he reaches his Nachshaba, then his eyes could be Lamata, which means Omei Lamata Beves HaMikdash, which is meaning he's focused on davening Lufnei Hashem, and Ki'ilu, he's Omei Beves HaMikdash, where his tefillahs will be more ritsuya, lefnei hamakom. The Rambam says his hands should be held together right over the left. Um, the Shulchan Aruch writes his yad of alibo, his hand should be on his heart. Um, the Magen Rambam says this is just according to the normal, this is all the practices of whatever was the norms of standing before a king. Um, it would be subject to the, the social norms of the times. The Rambam says his left hand should be covered by his right. The Beis Yosef says this might be a remiss to the idea of being machmiya the Yitzhar, which is represented to the left side, and be covered by the right side, which is seemingly the Yitzhar Tov. The Orsameach writes that the tefillin that one wraps is on his left hand for most people. He should be putting that closest to his heart, basically emphasizing that these words of the Torah should be in your heart, and you're expressing that during the tefillah. Again, maybe seemingly a reference to the idea of Shibud and Kamas Allah Hashemayim, Kamimit to Akash Baruch And that's represented as well when you're putting your left hand um, under your right hand by your heart. The Rabbim also tells us we have to have Tikkun Amalbush. We should wear clothing that are appropriate of 
being omed b'fnei Hashem. He also notes that the Chachamim would daven with an atifa. That's also an expression of tikkun amalish. Rabbim requires as well tikkun amakom. He says, ideally, at least in a, if one's davening biyachid, you should have windows open connected to your shleim that helps with this kavana. Um, but he should be sitting in a place which is lower down, facing a wall. This enhances his his hachna, his some his uh, humility, and allows him to be mischaven a little bit better. The sixth requirement, l'charchila of the rabbim is hashvas akol, which means modification of the of the voice. Rabbim says you shouldn't be too loud, you shouldn't, but you shouldn't be too quiet, as if you're not saying any words. And the basic point is that one should not do this so that it shouldn't affect other people from davening when you're davening in a tzibur. Uh, the Gemara says the source of this is found from Chana, who davened quietly. Um, however, it's interesting to know that the Gemara in Sotid, Lama Beis Mabeis, says the reason why they were masaking to feel Balachash is not to embarrass the Overa who would be Mesvada, who would do Vidoy during davening. Um, and the seems to be there's almost a contradiction in the reasons, but it seems to be, the as Rashi explains, that while the overall reason for the structure of Tefillah Balachash is from Chana, Chazal chose Chana because they had the impetus of, of choosing Chana as a model was because not to embarrass the Ovea It's interesting to note, just as an aside, part of Tefillah wasn't just saying the basic text. It was almost a, a direct conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the extent that people would admit their sins before HaKadosh Baruch Hu during this time. And Chazal wanted to encourage it to not embarrass those people from doing tshuva. Um, that's just another expression of this connection and the experience of, of tefillah that would occur um, in the times of Chazal, and it should carry over, those sentiments should carry over even, even nowadays. The seventh um, requirement of the is that you bow in krios. One should do it, and we'll, we'll explain there, during what time and why. There should be krios during the first uh, bracha, during, during modim, and at, and at the conclusion of one's uh, tefillah. Rashi explains that while us individuals do it only twice during two brachas of, of Shemar Esrei, Kohanim Gadolim would do it at the end, would bow at the end of every bracha. And Rashi explains the reason is according to one's godless, according to one's status, the more one has to submit himself before Gosh Baruch Hu. Even for us, even if we're not on this level of the Kohen Gadol, we still have to recognize that the bowing is to be mashbil ourselves to recognize the shiflos and the dependence we have on Akash Baruch Hu. It's interesting to note that not only do we bow during Shemot Esri, we also bend our knees. This is found in a source by the Elia Rabbah, quoting the Smag, who says that, and this is in Simon Kufid Gimel, Sif Katan Hay in the Elia Rabbah, who says that when you see Baruch, it's coming also not just from the word blessing, but from the word Berech, Ni. We're recognizing Hashem on a metaphysical level is breaking down the Shefa, or we're bringing down the fulfillment of Ratzon Hashem, we're manifesting that in action. So we're bending our knees before actually bowing. But in Modem, we don't have the word Baruch, we just um, bow the Vasachas without bending our knees. Uh, as an aside, before one davens and one end davens, one has to step, Gil Psios, with three um, steps going forward, as Rabbi Al writes in Simon Sadehei Sefei, Sef Aleph, Derech HaKiruv HaGashal Ladavar, as, as if one is anticipating and wanting to go before something, so he's moving forward to Akash Baruch Hu. The Gemara writes these three steps 
are, is a quotation from the Rokeach, and that's corresponding to the three times it says the word, the word Vayigash in Tanakh, Vayigash Abraham, Vayigash Uda, Vayigash Al-Yahu. There's, there's a discussion if one has to move three steps back before moving forward. Mishbura in Sifkatan Gimel in Simon Sadihei discusses this question. He says the Minigah Olam is to move back and forward. The Rosh Hashulchan explains that whenever one is confronting or approaching Kedusha, one has to prepare themselves. And moving back and then forward is a way to prepare oneself to that experience. When one finishes the tefillah, they move back three steps, and then they bow to the left first. The reason is because since you're Omi Malach, you're bowing to the right of Akash Baruch Hu, and then to the left. That's a way of expressing a, a proper uh, closure to the process of tefillah. The last part of tefillah that is required, but not Alis and Lechachila, is Hishtachavaya, which is Tachan, and we'll get to that um, at a later point. When one davens, the Torah writes in Simon Sadiches, if hey, he shouldn't think that he that Hashem should do what he wants him to what he's asking for, especially because he davened with Kavana. He says, Ad Rabba, doing so is masker of it makes one um, audited, and people the and the Shemaim looks into his averos. Rather, he should think that what he's asking for is just chesed from Akash Baruch Hu, and that he's not deserving, and all that is from Akash Baruch Hu is from a chesed. That's all that he's expected from Akash Baruch Hu. Furthermore, the the smak in Mitzvah Yud Aleph notes that Kavana one has is Bakashus Chasto, is recognizing the chesed of Hashem, and by doing so, through asking Hashem for Bakasha, one is also expressing the shibud. The, the fact that he's subjugating himself to a Kodesh Baruch and dependent himself, depending himself on a Kodesh Baruch Again, as we mentioned in the introduction to all of Tefillah, the Bakasha, in many ways, is the means of the Hakara to recognize our dependence on a Kodesh Baruch and the recognition of Hashem in our lives. So that's just a summation of the different halachos of what one needs to have in mind as one prepares to engage in Shemona Esrei. We're going to begin learning about Shemona Esrei. We're, start gonna, we're gonna start with a general overview of the structure of Shemona Esrei, and then after that we'll go into the details, going through each bracha one by one.